everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Almighty Podcast. As always, this is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and I am joined by... Adam Sims from the Back Patio Network. And we have calmed down from last week and the frustration that was episode 58, and we are hype for episode 59 and 60. In fact, where these two episodes end off, we're even more excited about what's coming after that. So it's just all downhill for the rest of season three. We're super excited to talk about what we've got to cover this week. We're very much looking forward to what we're going to cover next week. And while I'm thinking about it, it might be important to go ahead and tell you just a heads up. Next week's episode is going to cover three episodes because that's all that's left in season three. Yeah, we've only got three more episodes. That's nuts, isn't it? And then we're going to be waiting on episode or season four, depending on how far out we are right now. So, yeah, it's a, I'm looking forward to getting into this next season, man. And it's neat that you and I are going to get to watch it live with everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to be three seasons behind or catching up. So, yeah, we won't have to endure the, uh, you know, the, it's not like it's malicious, but a lot of folks that talk to us on Twitter and in the discord are just like, Oh, they, they don't know yet, you know? And they're just like, <laughs> well, we'll be all caught up at that point. So, I mean, unless you're, you know, a manga reader and you you get way out. So we, we won't ever do that, but at least we'll be current with what the anime is producing. Definitely. Definitely. Well, episode 59 starts off. Uh, we've got this scene with, uh, we called them the suits, uh, but it's, it's one of these funny scenes where, and we've seen it happen a couple of times now. And for some reason, whenever I see these scenes, I make a lot of assumptions in the show, and I don't know why, uh, but you've got like a table full of probably what, like 10 or 15 guys standing there or sitting there, and they're discussing the exam and how they wanted to set the exam up for these students because of the current climate and culture of the heroes and where they stand and how they don't trust Endeavor, really. And I don't know, it, it, to me, it just it was so weird because every time I see in this show, a bunch of guys trying to like regulate heroes. I always assume they don't have quirks. They just seem like middle management to me. I don't know why. I don't know if that's just like what that says about me, but I just, once again, another moment here where I it opened up and I was like, wow, just a bunch of people without quirks trying to, you know, regulate someone with quirks lives. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. My first note for episode 59 which is called what's the big idea is it says three weeks earlier and then i just have a hyphen that just says get me to gang orca now what is this what is this garbage i've been waiting uh, i've been steaming for a week because you told me to just forget about gang orca last time i tuned in uh and now you're just like hold on a little bit longer no the time is now but um this scene is is fine i mean they they talk a little bit about some of the bureaucracy and thought that goes into the provisional exam i like the idea that it isn't the same exam all the time i think we probably had a good idea that that was going to be true regardless because you know if you gave the same exam all the time then it could be prepared for in very specific ways yeah i've got to say though i i kind of disagree with where they're wanting to go because they make a mention of uh they say in in quotes Endeavor is no replacement for All Might. I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's pretty heavy. I mean, this poor Endeavor guy's been doing nothing but working his butt off to get to All Might's spot. Now you're saying he's not even close to a replacement? It's pretty heavy-handed. So they say that All Might was top in strength and in charisma, and that there's a large gap between him and Endeavor, especially in the charisma department. I thought that that was the way that they were kind of approaching that. That makes a lot more sense, yeah. Well, and But they follow that up with something that kind of made me even more upset. They said that they're going to try to fill the hole that All Might left with an army of heroes. And to some extent, what I heard was, 
we're just going to fill seats with people. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want the right guy for the right job. We just want a bunch of the okay people. And I'm like, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, we hear a little bit later on, maybe in this episode, um, when the proctor of the exam is talking to the people who don't pass, I mean, he's very specific about, listen, the round one of this exam was to cull the crowd down to the 100 and this 100 people we're going to invest heavily into because we believe that you guys are, you're, you're the cream of the crop. So it's not like they're just taking anybody. I mean, they cut down from 1500 and something kids down to a hundred, some a hundred kids. That's fair. Um, I'll give you that. So, I mean, they, you know, they, they're talking about instead of finding the next all might, that they just need to find a bunch of heroes with a strong sense of unity. And I, I have in my notes that I, I like this direction. I mean, I, I think that it's cool. I think that it will... I, I like the team approach to shows like this rather than, you know, the lone the lone ranger approach to things. So, I, I mean, we, we, this show is so much so far has been about this group of heroes, you know, at UA for us, but, you know, groups of heroes at all these other schools as well. And so if, if it meant that, you know, Midoriya got so good or Bakugo was able to just walk off and just do his own thing, then you lose some of that, that, team, that team element that we enjoy so much in the show. That's true. I'll give you that. So we'll, we'll have to see how it develops. At least it gives us a little bit of a, um, a, a glimpse behind the curtain of how these tests are. They, they have thought behind them. And that was kind of neat. Yeah. You know, this test is different than the ones that come before it because there is a new need. And I like that they invested the thought in that. They were intentional about that. And I think that, that bodes well for um, w- what this test is going to produce as far as students slash heroes go. Uh, rather than, you know, bode poorly for what, what may come for That's those true. who pass. At least the society seems to be somewhat willing to be prepared for change. You know what I mean? Instead of just being like, oh, well, there's a really good chance that uh, things are going to be really bad, but we'll just keep doing things the same old way. Yeah, exactly. They're adapting, which you have to do to survive. And, true. You know, we get, we get to, you know, it's a it's not a very long scene. It's only a couple minutes, but I, I appreciated what they were trying to do with that scene anyway. That's fair. That's fair. I think I just heard middle management and that's a strike point for me. So I'm like, all right, let's yeah, go. Sure. Let's get, let's see some gang worker. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I said, yeah. my first note, what is this garbage? Get me to the fight right now. Right. But before we get to gang worker, we do get a quick moment with Mira, uh, who is explaining the way that this second portion of the exam is going to go. They finally just lay it all out. Basically every single, for some reason in my notes, I have employees but uh, I think what I meant to write was heroes. Every <laughs> single hero has a hundred points and the judges or the Huck team is going to be slowly deducting those points as they go. And there are also, I think about a hundred uh, other people in the stands that are watching each individual hero taking notes and deducting points also. Once any student drops below 50 points, they automatically fail. Yeah, I think there are exactly a hundred other people. I think the hundred other people in the stands are assigned a student. That makes and, sense. And they're, you know, because how are you going to watch a bunch of people? But if you are assigned a student, and I think they're each given like a packet on what that student's quirk profile is, that will help them understand what they could be doing as opposed to what they are doing. And that'll help the grading. Um, but yeah, 50 points is the threshold. They drop below that and they fail, which is, I think that's pretty, that could be pretty gracious depending on how, you know, how many points you get deducted or docked for what you know because 50 that's that's a failing grade i don't care who you are 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know I don't know what the grading system is now, but whenever I was in school, a sixty-four was failing. Like that was the right. you know first level of failing. And there are some heroes that mention like, oh wow, I only got a sixty-four. That's absolutely failing, you know. And you have to kind of question like on a one hundred basis, even at a seventy-five, should someone really have their provisional licensing exam? I mean, I don't know personally. I felt like fifty was a little low. Yeah. Uh, like I want, I'm sorry, but I kind of want like, you know, students that should have the exception of being able to use their quirks in a society like this should probably be like at least B plus students, you know? Yeah. Could you imagine this world where somebody shows up on the scene to rescue and you're like, uh-uh, hold on. What did you score? Because <laughs> I'm not getting rescued by anybody that got less than an 80. Let's be real. Well, what is it that you call uh, somebody that is the last of their class, but you know, graduates with a doctorate's a degree. A doctor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, at the end of the day, they're still a hero, right? Like, yeah. it just, it would suck to get the one that was also the bottom of their class. <laughs> that's true, but they're not passing with 50% either, so. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So, I don't know. I, I disagree with that number, but hey, whatever. I'm not in the show, and it's a cartoon, right? Right. <laughs> but I gotta say, we get right back into... The action with Shindo here, because we get the scene where all of these henchmen from uh, Gang Orca are coming down, uh, and he just starts pulsing the ground in these one-second intervals to try to take out the pawns, basically. I mean, like, he's completely disrupting the ground. They're all falling. Of course, Gang Orca comes out of nowhere and completely takes him out within, like, two seconds. It was freaking cool. Yeah, and he does this with some sort of, like, weird sonar attack that knocks, knocks Shindo out. And it was like was, a sonic attack. It was awesome. Yeah, apparently I did some very quick Dr. Internet searching, and apparently there, I found this article on the New York Times under their science heading that all 68 species of toothed whale use sound to locate their victims, and new science is saying that they this sound-generating ability may have evolved to, sufficiently, to, to a sufficient intensity to become like a weapon, like they weaponized it somehow, to the point wow. where some of them, their teeth might just be vestigial organs. Like, they don't even use them because apparently they found, like, entire animals inside of the belly of a lot of these whales where they weren't bitten down upon, they weren't chewed up, they were just swallowed and, you know, because they were stunned. Whales aren't exactly the fastest things in the ocean. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned a couple episodes back about my phobia of whales, and this only furthers that. Like, yeah. I feel like this is concrete proof that does my bring phobia isn't a phobia. Yeah, right, like, right. that's terrifying. And Gang Orca is terrifying. Like, he grabs Shindo and, like, puts his head to together to his. Like, they touch head, foreheads real quick, and then Shindo just passes out. Like, I don't know. It was pretty freaky. And he's got those eyes. Like, I don't know about Gang Orca, man. He freaks me out. He is super creepy, definitely. And I will say to this, too. Like, and I don't know the answer to this, but I, I suspect... So, the Gang Orca has all these henchmen, and they keep referring to him as, like, Big Boss Whale or Big Whale, something like this, which makes me think these might actually be like his henchmen in real, like in real life, in air quotes, like actually out in the field. Like they seem way too familiar. Did you get that sense? That yeah, they- no, I did too. Actually, I have somewhere in my notes about like, I wonder if these guys are hired or if they're actually all of his sidekicks. Yeah. And I don't, I thought, maybe or maybe they- not even sidekicks, but like, I mean, just like maybe people that he has like his own little hit squad that he uses like he maybe he directs them or something you know yeah but at some point they complain like at the, it's at the very end of one of these two episodes where they're like ah you know i'm sorry we didn't perform well but these these restrictive plates that like they were wearing those same like heavy weights that all might did when he was fighting bakugo midoriya just something to give them a disadvantage yeah and it sounded like the henchmen were wearing those too 
Yeah, I think they were. That's like what the the face masks were and whatnot. So maybe they maybe they are like all pro heroes with quirks, but they were kind of suppressed and told not to use their quirks and and still slowed down with those weights. That makes I don't know. Sense. I could it made I sense could easily the dynamic anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it sounds like a like the perfect hazing opportunity. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just thinking like, think about all the times that people in uh, the military are probably like, Hey, we got a bunch of newbies out here. You guys want to dress up and play villains? Like, yeah. yeah, of course we do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I can see fun. that. I can so, see that for sure. So, um, in the midst of this, or, or I guess right after he kind of KO Shindo, um, Ojiro rolls up on the scene, who was not somebody that I expected to roll up on the scene. If I'm being completely honest, um, but, you know, Tailman rolls up and he does this weird thing. I don't know if you caught this in the anime. I don't even remember Ojiro being in this portion. So now yeah. you're filling me in here. He was there and he runs up on the scene and he's like, hey, we're here to help. And he points in the direction of where he came from, I think, with the hair on the tip of his tail. And I was like, what in the world? Like no, it forms I... like a little, not quite a hand, but it definitely the tip, the tail, the little tuft at the end of his tail, like changes shape and i was like what <laughs> like it was so weird and it was I so did not brief, catch but, that at all yeah it was weird but um orca anyway uh he, or ojiro anyway isn't the only one that shows up at around this time because orca is standing there over shindo's body and then this massive wall of ice from uh the toads as i refer to him in my notes now Todoroki blasts this huge wall of ice at um gang orca who's just barely able to use a sonar to keep from getting um, stuck in the ice himself or harmed by the ice, but all the henchmen get caught. In yeah, the it was ice. kind of a, it was a really cool scene because I think this was a moment where Gang Orca was about to attack Midoriya, but Todoroki used his eyes to block the sonic attacks. Like the, the, he was able to use his eyes to completely protect Midoriya from that, I'm pretty sure. It was awesome, man. I thought this was really cool. Uh, but yeah, Gang Orca gets right through it. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't even really seem to think twice about it too much. Uh, and this is kind of a weird scene where we've got Yaroshi. I think that's how you say his name. Yaroshi? Yeah. Yaroshi shows up on the scene and he uses his wind attack to completely blow all of the ice back and almost releases like half of the the pawns or the henchmen. Uh, so, you know, he shows up on the scene and it's interesting at first because we kind of get this quick moment with several of the people that are judging the students. And they seem to kind of approve of, uh, you know, Yaroshi and Todoroki fighting off against Gang Orca together. But it quickly delves into them just sort of fighting each other. So, yeah, I, ha- I have in my notes, I was like, Yaroshi plus the Toads. And then my very next thing is only they end up arguing with one another for like five minutes. Yeah. In fact, Todoroki even tells him like right off the bat, he's like, bro, go back to uh, the first aid place and help out there. Your your power's better over there. And then he like goes to blast Gang Orca as Yarashi is sending down some wind. And so it just dissipates. And even Gang Orca is like, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah, they're just bickering in the middle of this. They're having they're having a little uh, a little spat in the middle of this test. And um, it's really interesting, too, because like you said, some of the proctors of this exam are excited to see these two in action. So are some of the students. I think they're both like, hey, you know, the two top students from these two schools and they're here to go toe to toe with the with the master, you know, the, the mastermind of the villains with gang Orca. So there's all this excitement and then it's just completely derailed by a bunch of bickering. And um, I, I was watching this and I was sitting here in my notes. I was just like. Why aren't the villains taking advantage of this arguing? Because they go at it for like over a minute and everybody's just kind of standing around as they are bickering back and forth uh, until eventually one of the henchmen uses their little gun and blasts Todoroki with this cement goo that's supposed to like harden and hits him in the shoulder, I think. 
Yeah, it definitely like slows him down a little bit because it, it seems like it completely hardens and then slams him into the ground and he's like stuck there. He can't move. And then I think this is where, so they, they, they start assaulting Yarashi with the cement stuff as well. And we get the, we get this flashback, um, with Yarashi just in the middle of this pitch battle, we kind of go back in time and we see Yarashi as a kid and he's like looking up at all might or all might. He's looking up at Endeavor standing over a villain and he's just like, you know, I was, I was all about it. All these passion, uh, you know, the, these heroes are all passionate and they inspire people and all this stuff. But he was just a big letdown. Like, I think he goes to ask for Endeavor's autograph and the anime, it just shows Endeavor like smacking the pad out of his hand and being like, get out of my way. And yeah, Rashi's like, nothing came through his eyes, but cold anger. And then he's t- kind of talking and I couldn't tell if this was, all internal monologue or if some of it was said out loud to Todoroki, but he says he saw Todoroki at the entrance exam knew who he was because he has the same eyes. And so he's like, you and your dad are the only ones I'll never accept, which I imagine that might've been said out loud maybe, but yeah, see, I thought the whole time that they like every, they were actively fighting. Like I thought that, uh, Yaroshi was saying these things to Todoroki because they are initially fighting and he's like blaming Endeavor for a bunch of stuff. And Todoroki is like, what does Endeavor have anything oh. to do with this? Yeah. And that's and when he's like, it has everything to do with Endeavor. Yeah. And he's totally saying this out loud because now I'm yeah. remembering that Todoroki has gotten that little, it's almost like a flame starts growing inside of his like consciousness and it starts to take the shape of Endeavor and Todoroki starts um, like wrestling that backwards. So yeah, this had to have taken place out, out loud or that wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah, it definitely does, because that's when he says something like, you know, the only thing I could see in his eyes was an insatiable anger aimed at the entire world, and I see the same thing in your eyes, you know, and so Todoroki is having this internal monologue where he's thinking to himself, like, you know, I thought that I got past everything with my dad, but I don't think I did, and that's that flame, like, rearing up in in his mind. So I actually had a moment here in between this kind of transition scene where I'm starting to think, like, I wonder if this is why he turned down UA, you know what I mean? Like, we know that he scored better than Todoroki. And when, in fact, we were about to get the scene on where it looks like he started to score better. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if he just turned down UA because he's like, look, I, I want to feel motivated. I want to feel like I'm working with people, not against people. I don't want this to be a competition. This is us trying to become heroes, you know. And then he has this experience uh, with Todoroki. We're, I'm going to go ahead and cover the, the fla- yeah, flashback there. Whenever they uh, first arrived at the UA entrance exams... You know, they've got all of the heroes that look like they were on recommendation and they're just basically having them do some like obstacle courses. And Yaroshi just flies past Todoroki and beats him like within the last second. He's starting to basically like compliment Todoroki and he's like, oh, wow, you're Endeavor, son. How cool is that? Like, I can't wait to get started here. And Todoroki is like, get out of my way. You're a waste of my time. I'm just here to pass this stupid test. Like, I don't want to be friends with you, you know, and. Todoroki's even admitting to himself at this point, he kind of is realizing who this Yaroshi character is. Because if you remember, he was like, I have no idea who this guy is. Uh, but now he's remembering this event, and he's like, wow, I, all I could think about was my dad. I was blinded by him. I didn't see anything else. But this is ultimately what caused Yaroshi to go to another school, I would imagine. Yeah, I agree. And I really like the way that the anime kind of used some parallelism inside of Yaroshi's backstory, Yaroshi's backstory. Because he, when he's talking about what he sees in Endeavor's eyes, he says it looks like he's hating something far ahead of him. And then he says the exact same thing of uh, Todoroki a little bit later on during the right. testing. And I think that the thing that Endeavor was hating that was far ahead of him was All Might. And then for Todoroki, the thing that he was hating that was far ahead of him was Endeavor. 
And so Yarashi sees like this cold callousness inside of Todoroki. And it's, and it's, there's a little bit of irony here, maybe. And uh, I think we might have touched on this a little bit last episode because, you know, Todoroki hates Endeavor 2, or at least he did and maybe still does because of these feelings that are coming back up just having this discussion with Yarashi. So it's not like they have a dissimilar opinion of that particular guy. It's yeah, just I mean, that, I even have something in my notes. I just said it's it's incredibly unfortunate that these two met each other when they did. Like, if their first experience had been to today at this exam, I feel like they would have ended up being best friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do think that if if he had had a a different, more pleasant in, encounter with Todoroki at this test, that he would have ended up at UA. Because he gives Todoroki the benefit of the doubt. He's like, you know what, I know this is Endeavor's son, but maybe things will be different with this guy. And so that's why he engages him after the race. And he's like, you know, I won this time, but who knows what will happen next time. And he's trying to be, he's trying to build some rapport and, and establish some camaraderie. And that's when Todoroki shuts him down just because Todoroki's focused on beating Endeavor. And so that, that, that miscue, that bad first impression was enough for Yarashi to just pack it up and go somewhere else. Yeah. It's kind of sad, really. Um, but this causes all of the animosity to just return in this one instant, like the worst possible time. And basically, they're negating each other's attacks against Gang Orca. In fact, some of the like flames from Todoroki start to offshoot, and they almost get Shindo, who has been knocked out by Gang Orca. And that's when Midoriya has to hop in at the last second and like save Shindo. And even he is like, "Guys, what are you doing? Like, what is going on over there?" And it was kind of funny because I even had this thought where I was like, "So Gang Orca was totally just going to let Shindo get." singed like not even think twice about saving this poor kid you know <laughs> yeah but like like another student had to step in and, and save the day you know i just that seems to be a common thing with these teachers i've noticed yeah they well midori is pretty upset with the two of these guys um oh, with Yarashi and, Todoroki, and he's just like what's the big idea like in todoroki in, in during this time is trying to keep focused on the test but it's just hard in this particular moment. And this is when Gang Orca is finally like, yo, I'm going to take full advantage of this. He gave him plenty of opportunity to either put these things aside until later or sort things out real fast. Um, but as it is, they because they couldn't do one of those two things, he just leaps into action. He knocks Yarashi out of the sky with his sonar attack and then moves in on Todoroki as well and just neutralizes him as well with the same attack. And it's all of the villains are using incapacitating attacks. Like that's their thing. They're not actually doing like crazy physical damage, at least none that we saw because the cement guns are just to like incapacitate you, neutralize you, make you, yeah, uh, you know, make you where, where you're not mobile anymore. And the sonar attack seems to be, you know, have a similar end. So they chose the villains are well equipped to not just be out there devastating kids. It's not like watching all might beat up on Bakugo and Midori again. Oh man, that was so brutal. Like I just remembered how rough that was. Super bad. Yeah, you're right. They're pretty much just incapacitating them. Uh, in fact, at this point, Gang Orca is like, "All right, I'm going to take care of these two. Uh, you henchmen, go take out the uh, the hospital, or it's not the hospital, but it's like the evacuation point." Yeah. And so they all start heading that way. And this was a great scene, or like kind of a, a moment here for Shindo because Midori is trying to get him kind of patched up, and he comes to, and he's like, "Yeah, all of." the sonic attacks against me that gang orca did were a lot like the feedback I get whenever I disrupt the ground. So it didn't actually end up affecting me a whole lot. And Midoriya is about to just be completely swamped with all of these henchmen. And he's like, all right, I'll handle this. And he's able to disrupt all of the henchmen 
He gets them tripped up, and he's like, all right, if you can, go ahead and get in there and take them all out. So he's got the ground all rumbled up, and Midoriya's going to run in and try and make sure that they're all pretty much distracted. Uh, and they end up working together, and, and you know, I thought that was pretty neat. Like, Shindo and Midoriya are right there trying to do what everyone else is, is becoming heroes, and they're totally ignoring the BS that's going on between Todoroki and Yaroshi at the moment. Yeah, and it's kind of nuts that the two most impressive heroes, the two most powerful possibly heroes out on the field are completely neutralized due to a lack of teamwork and infighting. It reminded me a lot of Goku and Vegeta when they were training with Whis, and Whis is like, if you guys could ever just learn to fight together, you guys would be unstoppable. Like, imagine Yaroshi and Todoroki just paired up on the same page, uh, you know, communicating well, coordinating well, they would be insane as well, they're a too, duo. Their two powers combined. I mean, they even kind of showcase it here, really, because we get like a glimpse of what it could be. Uh, they're both completely incapacitated for the most part. Uh, Todoroki's glued, like cemented to the ground, and Yaroshi can't even move. And so they're both barely even able to use their quirks, but they combine them and they create this like super cool fire tornado that encap- that entraps uh, gang orca and i thought that, it, was, it was awesome looking it reminded me of like an old uh, pokemon move like i think it's called firestorm or something i couldn't comment on that but it does look dope i mean it's yeah, it's it this giant cool. fire vortex and orcas in the middle of it and it's really cool the animation here starts getting like they get really heavy lines very hard lines to convey the intensity that these two guys are having to utilize to keep this up because they like you said they they just took this you know this sonar attack that it was meant to basically knock them out, um, but didn't Definitely. quite get around to doing that. Well, once the henchmen realize that they're attacking gang Orca, they turn around and they actually start trying to shoot Todoroki. Uh, but he finally pulls off something he's been talking about. He was able to block all of the bullets by using his ice while also fueling the fire for this fire tornado. Uh, so he's pretty stoked. Uh, you know, there's kind of a flashback scene where he mentions that his end goal would be to use both fire and ice. And he makes a mention that like, you know, if my speed isn't available, I'm not worth anything. And this is a moment where he's proven himself. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Again, we get to see some of that quirk development training paying off here, not just for Todoroki either, because this is the time where Sue comes on the scene and starts tripping up henchmen. And she does so by rolling a natty 20 on her stealth check. And she, she has an active camouflage ability now somehow like frogs, frogs do that, I guess. I mean, I know that frogs can be camouflaged depending on, you know, where, where they're in, where they're at in their environment, but I didn't know that they could, change colors like a chameleon or whatnot but she can apparently yeah i didn't realize that either uh and so i actually looked it up i found some information i I specifically went to a website called exploratorium.edu and they were talking about how there actually are frogs out there that are chameleon like they can change their color according to like light or temperature humidity and sometimes even their mood uh so for example there is the african clawed frog Uh, he can actually change back and forth between being uh, completely pale or really bright based off of fear or excitement. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, you learn something new every day, I guess. Yeah. I didn't see any that could go completely invisible, but I don't know that chameleons can do that either. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't quite invisible. She was just, you know, pulling a uh, hella character, uh, hella carrier rather. It looked really cool. I mean, it was, uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty clutch move. You know what I mean? Like if you need to just completely stealth zone for a second she can so yeah and orc is in the middle of this fire vortex he's pouring a bottle of water on him i guess he just carries those around just in case of emergencies like this one which is smart i mean if you're genuinely could dry out uh genuinely if you could genuinely dry out then that's a good move 
Yeah, I actually didn't catch that the first time I watched it. Uh, I only caught it the second time around. And I think one of the henchmen makes a mention of like, we got to get Gang Orca out of this fire tornado because he's going to dry out. And if he dries out, he's totally worthless. Like he can't use any of his moves, I guess. And then it zones in on him pouring that bottle of water on his face and like completely, you know, decimating this fire tornado. And he's just like, all right, what now? Like, you know, that was all you guys had. What are you going to do now? Like you always have to be prepared for the next step. And you guys were barely able to pull that off. And I'm pretty sure it was by accident. So what are you going to do now? And this is where Gang Orca is like, screaming well what now and his mouth is open and so two two things to note here number one that the tie isn't his tongue right and number two he is ferocious looking when he's yelling with all these oh shark gosh. teeth and stuff yeah it's terrifying dude he has one of my favorite maybe my favorite aesthetic for any hero so far like he is super cool and the more i see him the cooler he gets there's even a, a page in the manga and i'll try to Remember to post this um, when this when this episode airs of him in his street clothes, and he looks so cool. Yeah, if it's the picture that I sent you in Skype, uh, I'll put it up on the website because it's awesome. It is. It's that picture. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll throw that up on the website for you guys. It's even got some fun little uh, side facts there, so be sure to check out the website. So he's he's out of the th- uh, the vortex. Midoriya drops in on him and uh, smashes him in the arm, and it damages and he kicks him so hard that it breaks that metal plating. Yeah, it damages his bracer. But then, just when things are about to get super awesome, the test is over because the last of the Huck characters had been rescued. I guess so. Yeah, perfect timing because I'm pretty sure Gang Orca was about to get his uh, face smashed in by Midoriya. He thought so too. I mean, he was just like, if this test had gone on any longer and there's just like an ellipsis, like he was worried that with, yeah. with Midoriya in the middle of that fray that he, he might have some difficulties in addition to having, you know, all the other heroes. Because once the evacuation is done, then it, all the heroes can swarm him. So it would have been, gotten pretty hairy pretty quickly, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought of that. I just assumed, like, with to- if Todoroki and Yaroshi had continued to lay down coverage and Midoriya just in there smacking them around, I think Gang Orca would have gotten beat up pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, that fire attack took out a little bit more stamina than he thought it would. Yep. So we get to see how the scoring system worked. They were uh, started off with a base score of 100 and lost points as they went, and we end this episode basically with um, the the proctor basically being like, and here's who passed and the names coming up on the board and Midoriya going, trying to find his name and then end, end of episode 59. So, um, we, we don't even get to know this week. If you know, this week, if you're watching this weekly, you would have to wait a week to figure out who, who passed and who didn't. I mean, it's better than waiting for gang Orca to show up. That is true because it took us. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. Anyway, episode 60, they kick off the episode with um, highlighting who passed and who did not. Episode 60 is called A Talk About Your Quirk. And that title doesn't make sense until the last three minutes, but it is what it is. Sure. Well, it turns out that almost everybody passed, uh, at least everyone that we really have eyes on. I guess, realistically, everyone we care about, right? Because there were 100 folks there, and we really probably only know about 30 of them. Uh, but it looks like everybody passed except for Bakugo, Yaroshi, and Todoroki from the ones that we care about. Yep. So class one A had an eighteen out of twenty success rate, which is pretty good. I mean, you yeah, can't, I would be can't pretty knock stoked it. about that. Especially no. again, their first years, you know, um, and the two that didn't pass passed for very glaring, uh, glaringly obvious reasons. It is kind of a bit of a shocker, though, that the people that didn't pass were the top two of the class. I mean, Bakugo and Todoroki have consistently been the top two. Yep, and you know, for for Todoroki in particular, we got to see him, 
you know, his his drama unfold in Yarashi. Obviously, their their stuff unfold on screen on panel. Bakugo, though, you know, obviously he mishandled um, the one set of civilians, but we're led to you know to believe that he had to have done more than that or he had to have not done more than that like where was he during the big battle that's his thing that's his scene so maybe he got thumped for not being there you know they make a mention of uh midoriya saying that he got docked mostly for standing around and for the stuff that he said at the very beginning to the the one uh bystander i wonder if bakugo did a lot of standing around could have been. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he did a lot of standing around telling kirishima and kaminari what to do and not actually doing anything on his own which I personally, if that's the case, I mean, we don't know, right? But in a crisis situation, sometimes you need the guy that stands up to be the leader to just tell people what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just shocked that as soon as that wall exploded, that Bakugo wasn't blasting through the air right for that hole. Like that, that seems like the Bakugo thing to do. That's and, true. You know, he, he obviously, the one time he had a chance to, now, and again, we're assuming that he wasn't actively engaged in saving people. Maybe perhaps, you know, the trio of guys that, he, you know, himself and Kaminari and Kirishima, that they were actually in the midst of saving some of those last few stragglers. Um, but even then, it just blows my mind a little bit that Bakugo wasn't just like, all right, you two handle this. I'm going where the where the fighting is, because that feels like a very Bakugo thing to do. It does. I honestly think it would have been better off for him if he had stayed with the group instead of going out on his own. Because if he had, he would have gotten to fight off against Gangorka, which seems like a huge plus for Bakugo. And so he would have shown his strengths there. And he also probably would have gotten to fight off the henchmen. Because with what, what he did by separating himself, he kind of just made his obvious issues very glaringly known. You know what I mean? Yeah, the only thing that we get to, that we hear about Bakugo is from Kaminari, who's just like, you know, you should have watched your words. And But I don't think that they had had their little pieces of paper at that point. So he was just yeah, guessing so. at what would have what he would have had points deducted for. So True. Well, before they get their, uh, like, full-blown, here's what you did wrong pieces of paper, uh, Yaroshi actually approaches Todoroki and apologizes. He's like, he says, it's totally my fault that you didn't get your license. And, you know, he's like, I just please forgive me. And he does that crazy, like, head smash into the ground thing. Right. Uh, and Todoroki kind of does this thing where he sort of apologizes. I don't know. I've got in my notes that Todoroki apologizes the Endeavor way, uh, where he's kind of like, yeah, you're right. You are wrong, <laughs> but I should probably do some thinking myself. You know, like it was just a really weird backhanded way of saying I'm sorry. Uh, so that, uh, you know, kind of leaves us with them all standing around here. Uh, and Mineta is super stoked because the as i think he says the class structure is collapsing because the top two failed and so he's just like all right well you know if you guys are moving down that means i'm moving up right? yeah i think i think that he's <laughs> excited about the collapse of the hierarchy as he refers to it because todoroki in particular falling means that in his mind he has a greater chance with the ladies for having passed that's funny. which Manetta, i hate to break it to you if you're listening buddy but it, that's just not it's just not happening bro yeah well, they all get these uh, printouts of their test results, like handed out to them, and it just reminded me of laser tag. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone and played yeah, laser yeah. tag, but at the end, they hand you a piece of paper with like literally everywhere you got shot. Yep. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and it's funny because Bakugo wants to see other people. So he's like, he's talking to Kirishima, and he's like, "Show me yours." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we get to see some of the scores for folks. The lowest score that we hear of is Ojiro. He got 61. Um, highest was Momo. She had 94. She yeah. Midoriya got a 71. Ida got an 80. And Saro got an 84. Those are the only scores that I um, think were said out loud. 
I think so as well. Uh, and then we get a, a message from Mira who is saying like, hey, just so you know, uh, if you failed, we're going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. There's a three-month summer course and a follow-up test. Uh, and it's interesting because Midoriya is thinking right before Mira starts to talk like, you know, if people are going to fail at 50 and there's no way to get points back, why wouldn't you just pull them off the field at that point? And Mira follows up that question unbeknownst to that it had been asked. Um, that the reason that they watched until the end was so that they could see for themselves that each of the students had promised that they could become a real hero. And so it got me wondering if Yaroshi and Todoroki hadn't kind of patched things up at the end, if they had just outright failed, do you think that they would like disqualify them and be like, Hey, there's, there's probably not a lot of hope for the two of you. Like you can't even work with each other, you know? Yeah, I don't know, because this is it's during this speech that he says, you know, we really want to cultivate this 100 in the in the uh, manga. It says the first round was basically a qualifier and you hundred who were chosen to move on all have potential worth cultivating. And um, he goes on to say, you know, if you those of you that failed and he's not just talking to Todoroki and um, and Yaurashi and Bakugo here, presumably they weren't the only three that, that failed. Um, right. That's kind of what I meant earlier. They're the only three that we care about. Yeah. Like I get the feeling there were a handful of other folks. It's just that they haven't really been introduced yet. So. Yeah. But he's, he's talking about this and he says, if you guys, you know, will put the work in, then you guys have the potential to, sur- to surpass even those who passed today. Um, so he, he still very much is like, yeah, today was a bad day, but you could do better than this a lot better. In fact, better than some of the people who did pass. So uh, I think there's still a lot of hope wrapped up in those guys. Definitely. We get this scene where Deku is looking at his card, like his license. Did you get a glimpse of the picture on that license? Him all like bug eyed, like he's scared or something. It cracked me up. I was like, not even in this fictional world, nobody can get a license with a good picture. You know? Yeah. You know, he's just on the brink of crying in that picture. That's all that is. And he's just <laughs> as he's just true. as happy as he could possibly be. And he he does That's get around true. to crying here in just a second. Yeah, after the exams wrap up, we get this awesome little bit here where everybody's kind of saying goodbye to each other. Uh Miss Joke is talking to Izawa and she's like, Hey, you know, we should get together for some joint training. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, we should. So I'm hoping that we get some like really cool training scenes between her class and Izawa's class. That would be pretty neat for season four. Uh, yeah, and I think they laid some groundwork for that because she's over the Shiketsu, right? Is that right? I don't know. No, she's over not Shiketsu. Shiketsu. She's she was uh, Shindo's class. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that one was like it started with a B or something. Yeah. I don't remember. I'll 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 try to find that out. But yeah, that's right. She's not over Shiketsu. Because Shiketsu, I felt like they, they laid some groundwork potentially for some... Uh, for some... Uh, she's, a, she's the... She's I think the, she's uh, over Ketsubutsu. Ketsubutsu, that's right. Yeah, Ketsubutsu. I was looking up my notes from uh, episode 54. I was doing the same thing, trying to scroll and find <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, that would be cool. And I like the idea of uh, seeing more characters from other schools because it means we get to see new quirks and... Um, new new potential combo moves like we saw with Yarashi and Todoroki today. So Oh yeah. Well and it's great too because right around this time is when uh Shiketsu is actually leaving and Yarashi runs by and he's like, Hey Todoroki, I'll see you at the special course, but here's the thing, uh nothing's changed. I still don't like you. Sorry. I still hate your stinking guts. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, wow. I love the I love the brutal honesty there that exists, you know. I just think that's funny. Uh, and this is when Midoriya kind of follows after him and he goes up to uh, cousin it and he's like, Hey, uh, can you show me how to disappear like that? Like, you know, whatever techniques you guys are learning. Uh, Cause that one girl did it. And uh, cousin it is just kind of like, who are you talking about? And when I say cousin it, I mean, Nagamasa Mora. Yeah. 
but yeah, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they described Kami and he's like, oh yeah, Kami went home. She wasn't feeling well. And we don't know any techniques like that. Sorry. And then we transition into this scene that blew my mind. And I don't even know that I was super shocked, but I was just like, wow, they did a really good job with this. And in fact, Atkins and I still are kind of going over what really happened here. So I'm curious what you guys think, but we, we get the scene where we see Cammy walking down a hallway and she's like pulling off that clay from her body that was on her a couple episodes back. And it turns out that it's actually Toga underneath all that clay. So we were kind of spot on with what we were talking about in that episode. Cause I think we kept saying that she looked like Toga, like she was acting like Toga and everything. Yeah. She was definitely acting very, very much like Toga. And both of both you and I were like, she is talking just like Toga this is so weird. Yeah. Um, and she's reporting into the league of villains. Uh, and she's like, yeah, mission was a success. I got some of Deku's blood. And this is when they break down her quirk and we find out that if she ingests someone's blood, she can transform into that person. Yes. And this makes so much sense. So a little peek behind the uh, AMP curtain a couple weeks ago when we were recording the episode where he had the encounter with the naked Cammy, Adam and I got into an argument. I think we had it in the episode where he was like, yeah, that's I'm pretty Cammy. sure we left it in. He, yeah. He's like, that's Cammy. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not Cammy because we saw Cammy's quirk and it wasn't to transform into somebody. Something's not right. It's weird. And we couldn't put my, fa- we couldn't, we were arguing about it. And some of this probably didn't make the episode because I was like, we got to look this up because something's not right. And I accidentally spoiled um, for myself that it was Toga a couple weeks ago and I didn't let Adam in on that. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, my mind was firing on all cylinders. I was like, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense because we knew that she had, um, that Toga had some of Ochako's blood. That's why she was able to mimic Ochako. Um, and it made sense of the scratch that was put on Midoriya's face. They even like went out of their way to highlight the fact that, um, like when she cut him on his face, Midoriya's like, what cut on my face? You know, like it was weird. Um, it made sense of the different quirks going on at the same time. There was, there was one other thing. What was the fourth thing that we were talking about that I was just like, ah, this makes all of it makes so much sense. Well, you had mentioned, cause one of the biggest arguments was whether like when Kami actually left and when Toga took over for Kami, because whenever we're first introduced to Kami, she has this like disappearing quirk where she says something like, Oh, I've got to do is clear my mind and close my eyes and nobody can see me or something. So then we transition into her being in this weird like clay thing. And you were like, there's no way that that can be Kami. She has a completely different quirk. Yeah. It was weird. And I don't know if Toga's ingestion quirk thing lets her use other people's quirks. So maybe she replaced Kami sometime after that, but that wouldn't make sense of how Kami was acting so much like Toga in that scene either. So the timeline seems kind of funky to us, I think. Yeah, because I don't know. Initially, I was under the impression that Toga was like, once I had this reveal, I was like, okay, so that means that she's been Cammy the entire time. But then that doesn't really explain the quirk. If, if she was using a quirk, I mean, it's possible that Toga is just really sneaky. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, she did say she's never been caught. The fourth thing that, um, that it made sense of was when, um, cousin it was like, what is, what is your deal? Like, pulls Cammy aside in the ante room and it's like, what is, what's, what's the, what are you doing like running off by yourself? Like she was acting very weird. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, even yeah, to the Shiketsu right. high people, the, their radars were kind of tingling a little bit, but they couldn't put their fingers on it. So it makes so much sense. It was very well done. Like plotted is very well plotted. So yeah, uh, did I a good job I spoiled it for me for sure, but I did a good job of not spoiling it for Adam for whatever that's worth. I just assumed that they were related 
I'm like, well, they they act the same. Like Bakugo and that one guy, they look the same. So yeah, you, yeah, you have you, you think a lot of people are related. That's for sure. But yeah, this was a good one. That was a good reveal. I really liked that reveal. Uh, I did. I I won't say that I saw that one coming entirely. I'm not a hundred percent shocked, but I was also like, nah, they did a good job with that one. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great. Well done. Well done. Even though so, I knew, even though I knew, it was great. We get this weird scene afterwards with, uh, I say weird, and the only reason I say weird is because I was kind of confused on the building structure, I guess. It looked like it was some distant island, and we zoom inside of that island, and it's All Might talking to All for One. But then later on in the conversation, All for One explains that he's like super deep underground, so I don't know if not only is he on an island, he's also like 80 layers deep. Uh, But it reminded me of uh, like Eye Island almost. It looked like a moving island or something. Uh, but Maybe all they might were just there. On a peninsula. Maybe they were. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but he's there and he's hanging out and he is talking to all for one. And it's a sad scene, man. Like he's sitting there all uh, Jinko jeans formed out. Like I think they call it his true form now. Yeah. And he's got like it looked like his golden age suit and it's just like slumped down on him. Like he can't even fill it out or anything. I don't really even know why he's wearing it. It almost just seems pointless for him to be wearing it you know what i mean yeah i thought the same thing too but i i allowed it i mean i was more interested in what he was there to say to uh all for one than why he was dressed yeah. up like uh like uh buff bagwell all might <laughs> well i'll tell you man i didn't ever expect to get a follow-up scene like this where the two of them are just talking like i just assumed that that would never happen you know we we don't typically get to see inside the villain's head after they've been arrested and put in high containment centers so it was kind of interesting getting to see this moment where All Might is trying to question All for One, like, you know, why why are you doing these things? And All for One gives us this quick speech about how locked down he is. Like, he's so far deep underground. He even says if he tries to scratch an itch by, like, rubbing his body against the chair, all the guns in his cell point right at him. Like, his brain's being monitored for any kind of quirk activity. And it's it's pretty crazy how... Not, I mean, it's not crazy... It's just amazing how well contained they've got him. But the thing that's interesting about this is throughout the entire conversation, he keeps making these hints that he thinks he's going to get out. So I'm interested in seeing if he actually stays contained in this place. I'm telling you, man, All Might should have just killed him. I I was so frustrated by him saying, I'm going to smash you right back to prison. He should have just wiped him out 100%. I disagree disagree with this particular decision. He refers to this place as Tartarus, which has been a lot of lore as like a a place where even high demons go to be punished, you know? So he seems to be thinking that he's in a pretty bad place, but he doesn't seem too worried about it. Um, I don't know. I'm with you at this point. Like this guy's going to break out or something's going to happen. I definitely have the, uh, the Vegeta approach to villains where it's just like beat them, kill them, never have to worry about them again. Yeah. But see, then you would never have Vegeta if that was the case. I didn't. Well, yeah, because Goku doesn't have that particular approach, but Vegeta 100% does. <laughs> like on Namek, just he saying. just starts wasting people after and like shock oh, to, yeah. to the shock of everybody just starts <laughs> wrecking them like, hey, <laughs> we don't have to deal with them again if we do this. I yeah, get that. I'm true. a utilitarian when it comes to that kind of thing, I guess, because I'm like, no, nope, I'm just I, saying that makes sense to me. If the wrong person had that approach, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have Trunks. He was a really cool character. I like Trunks. That's true. Well, All Might is there. That's another anime. Yeah. (laughs) All Might is there, and he wants to know where Shigaraki is. And I love uh, Alpha One's response to this. He's like, unlike yours, he's left the nest. I don't know where he is. Yeah, Um, man. He's like slamming All Might's uh, teaching 
expectations, I guess. I like this too because he refers back. Um, so during their uh, their conflict a few episodes ago, he talked about how much he hated All Might for taking everything away from him. And during that uh, flashback scene, it was like All Might beating up all of his subordinates, I guess, his coworkers his henchmen, whatever they were, uh, to all for one henchmen. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it really just depends on how all for one sees them. Yeah. Right? Oh, he's, they're definitely subordinates then they're extras. Um, they, they are to him what extras are to Bakiko. But anyway, he says, after you appeared, my seemingly infinite ideal to be like the, the king of the world, the evil king of the world suddenly became finite. And he says, and when a person realizes the end is coming, he passes his work on to someone else. And I really like this. This visually is depicted with this cool overlay of All Might looking through the glass at All for One and they, their faces kind of align because All for One is basically saying like, we are, we're opposite sides of the same coin. Like I had your same ideal, but from the evil side. Yeah. Um, he makes a mention in the English version. He just says, we're one in the same, really, although you'd never admit it. You wanted to be the grand symbol of peace, and I just wanted to be an overpowerful devil. Yeah. Like, all right, then. At least you know what you want, man, you know? He does. He does. He's, he's, very, he's very meticulous, and he's very thoughtful. Uh, and I know that that's weird to say that All for One is thoughtful, but it's inarguable that he is. I mean, he just is. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. Uh, he says something that I really liked. Uh, he says, I had an ideal and the power to see it enacted. Mm -hmm. And that's something that a lot of folks don't have. I mean, a, lo a lot of people have the idea that they want to put in place, but they don't have the power to do it, you know? And so the fact that he had both is like, that makes him a really good villain. Yep, and he starts... He's kind of, this felt very Hannibal Lecter-ish. Um, it certainly did. Absolutely, I was going to mention that. Yeah, I mean, it even he even has very, you know, Hannibal-esque... Uh, visuals going on here where he's kind of in a straight jacket with a mouth uh, a mouth guard thing over his mouth it's not the same it's a breathing tube but still um and he's like so uh what's going on with the outside world and there's an embargo on this information so then he's just like let me guess the media is unease with your retirement coupled with their worry about how endeavor is going to be as the number one hero is causing them to complain about the unity of hero society as a whole and i just wrote in my notes i said he's not wrong <laughs> yep yep I've got in there. He knows exactly what's going on on the outside. Yeah, because it's going according to his plan. I mean, this is happening yeah, I mean, he, exactly as they plotted. Exactly. He mentions, like, this is, if, I think he says something along the lines of, if my plan is going the way I expect it to, then everything I ever intended for is happening right now. And, I mean, it's just, I think it really shocks All Might that he was planning so far ahead. You know what I mean? Like, I think he knew that All for One was probably doing some kind of, evil stuff in the background, but the amount of planning he's put into place since his last bout with All Might, I think that just blew his brain. I don't think he realized how bad this guy really could be. Yeah, because I, I get the, the distinct feeling that All For One thought more about All Might in that interim than All Might did think of All For One. Does that make absolutely. sense? I, absolutely it does, yeah. Uh, in fact, he makes a really good point. He says... Any rise of crime moving forward is completely due to All Might concealing his fading strength. And in his arrogance, villains will flourish. And I mean, that's really powerful. Like, he's right. The fact that All Might basically thought that all of his problems were done for whenever he got rid of All for One. I mean, he just completely screwed everybody in the future, yeah. really. I mean, he, the fact that he wasn't willing to say, hey, I'm slowly dying. Let's get some folks trained up. It was just, oh, we'll be fine. 
like, man, he's he's screwed up and he knows he's screwed up and he can't argue that, you know? Yeah, I mean, he all, all for one looks at All Might and he just says, all you can do at this point is watch powerlessly. Imagine hearing that as All Might. Because yeah, and he's the guy on the other side of the, the prison cell and he's the one hearing it. He knows it's true. Yeah, is, is, but All Might in his, in his defense is he is not excited isn't the word stirred up antagonized might even be appropriate because he's, he's looking at all for one and he's just like, I won't die. I won't let Shigaraki kill me. I will smash your future to pieces as many times as it takes. And I really liked the way that he said that because all for one himself admitted just a second ago that all might smashed his future to pieces once already. And he's picking up the pieces and doing this other thing. And All Might's like, I'll be here and I'll do it again. And I love that. It's a very hard line in the sand of All Might. I love it too. I mean, don't get me wrong. He is very motivated to get out there and like stop All for One from doing anything that he's planning or has planned in the past. But man, we've seen his limitations. We know where All Might really is. You know what I mean? Like he can say that all he wants. The fact of the matter is all he can do is just train these new heroes the best he can. He can't get in there and throw those punches. Correct. But I think All for One might be in a similar position. And that's why they're talking about this legacy and chicks that's leaving fair. the nest. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what All for One is capable of anymore. I mean, obviously something because they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't be monitoring his brain waves to see if he's thinking about a quirk if he couldn't do anything. That made me wonder if the scientists of this world have actually been able to figure out the brain patterns that activate whenever someone uses their quirk, you know? Yeah. Wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked to find that that, that amount of um, intentionality went into research for quirks. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me too much either. But uh, yeah, think- this is a, uh, I, I hadn't considered that, that all for one might be in the same position. Cause as far as we know, he's still incredibly deadly. I mean, it doesn't seem like his powers have faded at all. It just seems like they've got him in containment. Yeah. Could be. I mean, I don't time know. will tell. I mean, he certainly seems pretty cocky about getting out. Like you said. So yeah. Yeah. He mentions that several times. So, well, that's the end of that discussion. Um, all might gets back into, uh, the car with the guy whose name you quit on a few episodes ago. Um, Tsukoichi. <laughs> and, uh, he gets a text message from Adoria with the picture of his uh, provisional license. And then we cut back to the school and Bakugo just kind of walks by Midoriya. Everybody's kind of chilling in the, uh, the common area of the dorm and Bakugo walks by Midoriya and he's like, meet me out front later. We got to talk about your quirk. There's the title of the episode. Only 40, or, you know, these episodes are 22 minutes long. This, this came at about minute 20 um, <laughs> and they titled the whole episode after it. So they wait. When, when he said later, out front, I didn't know he meant like after apparently everybody had gone to sleep. Um, but they sneak yeah, out. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't expecting that either. I was kind of thinking like, you know, yeah. 30 minutes from now. Yeah. But no, it's like five hours from now. Yeah, it's a long time later. Everybody's out. The festivities have died down. They're walking in the dark. And they make their way over to um, Ground Beta, which was the site of the Heroes versus Villains combat training that they did. Um, and Bakugo's like... Listen, let's just cut the crap. You got this quirk from All Might, didn't you? I mean, there's a lot more to that conversation. Um, but he's he's basically going over like you used to not have a quirk, then you said that you got this from somebody else, and now we know that quirks are transferable because this villain can do it, and now we know that All Might doesn't have his quirk anymore. So ergo, you have All Might's quirk, don't you? And uh Bakugo, or Midoriya looks back at him and he's just like what are you going to do with the answer to that question? Because he knows that Bakugo's already made up his mind that it's 
it's true that Midoriya has All Might's power somehow. Even if he doesn't know the specific mechanics of it, he's assured that that's what's gone on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Bakugo's got it pretty nailed down. Um, he used those logical questions that Aizawa thought that Midoriya used in that filler episode. Mm-hmm. So he's got it figured out, man. Uh, and Well, we know we Bakugo's this... no dummy, so... No, yeah, no, we definitely know that. And there's uh, been a so slow was... build-up to this, too, with... Oh, yeah. Over the, you know, and they cover some of that with, like, him asking All Might, what's up with you and Midoriya? You know, he's he was, he was in full-on, like, clue in information-gathering mode for the last several episodes leading up to this. Definitely, for sure. I, I mean, I think uh, we're about to see something interesting happen here. Uh, we leave this episode off with the teasing of Bakugo and Midoriya going to uh, play some SmackDown. They're going to fight each other in ground beta, I guess. Yep, I, I'm psyched about it. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to see these two duke it out. Um, yeah, in fact, the I title of the next episode is Bakugo versus Midoriya or Bakugo versus Deku Part 2. So ho- I'm hoping they deliver like minute one and it's just like, let's do this. And they start banging. I hope so too, but uh, I don't know. I was telling you before we started recording, I don't think that that'll be what happens. I'm really like, I get the feeling they're going to do this thing where it's like most of the next episode is probably just going to be like background story and backflash or flashbacks and whatnot with a little bit of fighting. And then at the end, they're going to pull in some villain or there's going to be some big event that happens and they're going to have to respond and work together. And I don't know. I'm calling it now that it's not going to be what we want. But we've had but we'll so see. much of both of those things already. I listen. I, I know, but they disappointed it just seems me like last be... week, Adam. Don't let them take this from me too. Hey, I don't want to. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I feel like that's the next logical step in the way that the writing has been so far. So we'll see because the, the the next three or next week is going to be the season finale, right? The last three episodes. Yeah. So you think Horikoshi is withholding? Like, I like do, that's man. just his style. It's just like here's this thing, but you can't have it. Yeah, I mean, think about how long it took to get some of the uh, uh, story for uh, Shigaraki out. And don't get me wrong, like, I like the long draw. I think it's really cool that he does this, but it seems like he gives just you a little bit of taste and then he reels it back in. And he gives you a little bit of taste and then he reels you back in. Like, I don't know. I just, there's sometimes where we hit these moments and I'm just like, all right, just, just give it to me. You know what I mean? Like, just let me have something. <laughs> I mean, I imagine we'll get some flashback stuff, but I really hope it's just like, Let's fight right now. And Midoriya probably tries to backpedal some, and Bakugo instigates it by just attacking. When Midoriya is trying to de escalate things, I bet Bakugo is just like, then I'm going to punch you in the mouth and, and see what you do about it. That's how I yeah. think it's going to go down. Or like a villain attacks at the end, and Midoriya ends up saving Bakugo because Bakugo is totally wasted all of his powers trying to fight. And then he's just like, oh, this is what it's like to be a real hero. And we get a whole new Bakugo next season. <laughs> okay. I could see that. I don't know. I just feel like I could see that happening again. Well, this will be one of those things again. I always wonder. Just like the very next episode, we'll find everything out probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I always wonder what uh, the end game is with having two like main story characters fight like this like even i mean even with like goku and vegeta right like what did we want to see like we wanted to see them kick the crap out of each other and then end up in a hospital bed and then take a sensu bean and everything's fine or like what's the what's the end goal between seeing bakugo and midoriya fight do we think that that's going to fix all of their issues or do we just want to see a showcase of powers you know what i'm saying yeah i mean we we did get we did get the satisfaction of seeing goku and vegeta fight sort of um yeah. You know, like with the Majin Buu arc where, 
Vegeta goes Majin and starts whooping up on Goku. But we also knew at that time, well, we found out later, that Goku was totally holding back. It would have been a different fight if he had just gone Super Saiyan 3 and settled the matter. Right. Um, so I think I, I just want to watch it. And I think that this is a legitimate way that boys in different cultures settle things. Like sure, if, if Bakugo, like I think part of the reason what, what Bakugo might be struggling with with Midoriya in general is who, who are you? And so this fight could be a way of him saying, now I know. Um, and I, I think that that would be fine. Otherwise, I mean, I'm kind of in it for the spectacle. I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's underhanded or whatever for me to just say, I would like to see the fight just from a purely entertainment um, angle. But I do think that there could be some meaningful narrative behind this exchange where these two, these two boys understand themselves um, in, in a new way. And it, could, and it could serve them well going forward. I mean, this definitely could be what Bakugo needs to progress, take that next leap of faith in his life. You know what I mean? Like, to, to get past this plateau he's been stuck in. Yeah, because imagine, we, we're hung up on Goku and Vegeta because this is just what we know, but... It's what we know, yeah. <laughs> you know, part of the reason why the two of them progress at the rate that they do is because of the other. And right. so, in this story right now, Bakugo feels like pretty much near the cream of the crop, and he has no idea where Midoriya is, but, the, but more and more, he gets to see more, and he's like, all right, where are you at in relation to where, where I am? And it could be that the two of them end up motivating one another in a similar way. Um, I think there are a bunch of different ways that it could be written. I, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, p- most of my motivation is just like, I just want to see them fight, because I, yeah. I think it's been long overdue in in my opinion and like i said i think that it could genuinely settle some things and sort some things out and potentially be beneficial i agree i just like to play devil's advocate occasionally i know (laughs) yeah i uh i will say i i think that there is a lot of frustration from bakugo because he's seen someone with no quirk go from having no quirk to being almost if not better than he is on a paper level uh and that would be frustrating i mean bakugo has been really good for a really long time he needs something to push him forward to, to make that next progression step and getting beat up or, or getting beat in a fight by Midoriya may be what that needs. And so he may even know himself like, all right, I need this. Like I need something to, to propel myself forward. It could so, be, it could go back to what his mom said. Didn't his mom say something like he's always been good at everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. like what if this is the one thing where he gets a little bit of perspective and you know, it's not like Bakugo isn't putting in the work, but it could push him just that little bit further because we see Midoriya putting in hella work on this stuff because he's coming from behind. For sure. Um, yeah. He's the underdog. He's got to, he's got to definitely catch up. Yeah. So side I, thought. Yeah. Do you did uh best genist? Was he also like a fashion designer or was that just part of his like quirk, like part of his personality? Uh, I don't know. Because I, I was just thinking, how how messed up would it be if the only reason Bakugo took that internship was because his mom was like, "Oh, I really need the uh, discounts on the <laughs> best genus line." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Give me that code, Bakugo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Friends and family discount. That's funny. Okay. Well, that really was yeah, a random. Uh, a it random was really pop. random. But you mentioned his mom, and I was like, I could see her being like, "Now, Bakugo, you're going to go work for Best Genus because mommy needs a new coat." Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought. Best genius recruited Bakugo, right? When that I, I think he did. Yeah, I think I'm getting it mixed up. Just to, like like you said a couple of weeks ago, man. If I wrote this show, it would be a yeah. totally different show. <laughs> yeah. 
But I think that pretty much ties us up for this week. Uh, I'm pretty stoked for the season finale on this one, man. Like, I think we're going to get some really cool stuff. I don't know what to expect, but we're leading it off with uh, Midoriya versus Bakugo, and I think that's a good place to start. It's going to be a wild ride, so don't forget to watch the last three episodes of Season 3 for our next episode of the AMP. And we'll be here to discuss those, and we'll try to honor your time, try to keep it close to what our standard... You know, hour-ish, hour, 15 minutes is length, length. But let's be honest, if, if there's lots to talk about and you're listening now, then you'll listen then. So, um, and, you know, Adam and I like to, like to gab. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. All right, well, have a good week. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Almighty Pod or follow at Back Patio Net for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.